0: Hello, and welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin English, founder of The Silver Edge. Our mission at The Silver Edge is to inspire men and women in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond to live their strongest, healthiest, most fulfilling lives. In this podcast, we share stories of amazing individuals who are doing just that, to help motivate you to become the healthiest version of yourself, regardless of your age. And now, on to today's podcast. Hello, my guest this week is Helen Fritch. Helen is a 63-year-old lifelong competitive athlete, a flight attendant, a certified personal trainer, an IFBB bodybuilding pro, a certified wine specialist, a cancer survivor, and host of the Age is Irrelevant podcast. Helen is also a published fitness model and writer, and has been featured in magazines such as Oxygen, Define, Center Stage, Upfront, and Max Sports and Fitness. Recently, Helen was chosen to be an elite ambassador for Oxygen Fitness magazine. Helen, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Kevin, for having me. I'm honored.
0: Uh, my pleasure. Well, we certainly want to talk a lot about your bodybuilding and your career, but let's back up a little bit and tell us what you were like as a child. Uh, were you active as a girl?
1: Um, yes, I was very fortunate. My Both my parents were athletes, so growing up, I was the oldest of three. And, um, they drug us out (laughs) every single weekend. And along with that too, um, my dad worked for Texas Instruments and he was a troubleshooter for the company. And so every two or three years we would move and we started off in Dallas and then we moved over to Europe, over to Germany. And, uh, when we lived in Germany, there was no TV. We didn't have a TV. So, we had to come up with stuff on our own. So my brother and sister and I, we were always outside for hours and hours. We had a big forest behind us and running and playing. And then my parents were big in tennis, my dad, basketball, we we learned how to play golf and very, 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 very active. And so my dad was a elite athlete in college. He uh, played basketball and ran track and he even qualified for the Olympics and uh, track and field. But, um, I just aspired to be like him. I was just in awe of all his medals and trophies and scrapbooks. And I just thought, well, as soon as I get old enough, I'm going to start joining. I'm going to join my first team. And when I was in junior high, I I immediately joined the basketball team and I was a cheerleader. And then uh, in high school, I jumped over to track and... You know, today I'm so envious of all these kids because they have so much more knowledge than we had way back then. They have all this nutrition and all the um, strength and conditioning coaches and just so much out there on the internet. And we didn't really have anything. We practiced, and I was naturally a gifted runner. I, you know, did my fair share of of running and practicing. And my dad would have me out there on weekends running also, too. But we ate pretty bad. I mean, you know, just think about all the junk food that you ate and, I, I kind of shudder, you know, spam and and um, Salisbury steaks and, uh, you know, ho-hos and Twinkies and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but I was like a little stick figure. My metabolism was so high. I ran track and cross country. I played basketball and tennis. I lettered in four sports in high school. And um, we were state champions several years while I was there. I went to college at the University of Kentucky and I ran track there. And uh, so it was just ingrained in me. It was just part of my life. And even when I got out of school, And I, you know, jumped in on the um, aerobics, you know, uh, step classes and jazzercise and all that stuff. I just kept up with all of that, and that took me into my twenties and even into my thirties and even forties. And I, you know, at one point, I just, you know, continuously worked out, but I mainly worked out to just to be able to eat and and you know, drink freely, um, just because it was just easier that way. So um, that took me probably up to my fifties and. I was in good shape but I thought oh my gosh I'm going to be 50 I'm 55 I'm going to be 60 here shortly I want to get into the best shape of my life and I started asking around and found out about bodybuilding and I was really curious and everyone was saying well you see all those people in the magazines all those fitness models you know they have a very strict diet and this is what they do and I'm like well I want to look like them and then when I started <laughs> delving into it deeper and found out that, you know, you're prepping for a show 12 to 8, 18, 16 weeks out, and your diet's really strict, and, you know, there's no alcohol. Well, one of my hobbies is wine. I'm a certified wine specialist, and I was working at a wine and chocolate shop at the time, and drinking wine, you know, sampling it every day, and eating chocolate, and I thought, I, I, I can't give that up. <laughs> so I literally shelved it, for about six months. And then the universe kind of took over and had different plans for me. And I walked into the gym one day to train with a friend who was actually a bodybuilder and was consistently trying to tell me that I should try this bodybuilding. And she was training a client and the client asked me if I was one of her you know, clients. And I said, no, she goes, oh my gosh, well, you should, you should try bodybuilding. You have the perfect body for it. And then my friend Linda said, There's a show in a month. You can do it. Well, of course, now I laugh because you cannot get ready for a show in a month. But I didn't know back then. And I said, I'm going to do it. And so I cut everything out cold turkey. I started eating really clean. And it was the body is such an, a fascinating, amazing piece of machinery. It, well, literally within a week, I started seeing changes. And then in two weeks, I was like blown away. And so I jumped on stage um, at 56 with these little 35 year olds in a in in bikini and uh, in show, and I came in third. And then I I I liked it, and so I decided to do a big national show a couple months later, and I came in third in that. And then all of a sudden, I was just kind of addicted to the lifestyle. I really liked. I love structure, and I just like being able to be told what to eat, and and get these workouts and you know, four years later on my 60th birthday, um, I won a big national show and I turned pro. And so, um, actually my birthday's next week. <laughs> and so I'll have been, I'm a pro for three years now and I'm still competing. I'm prepping for a show right now at the uh, beginning of September. And I chuckle and laugh about, you know, how much longer am I going to compete? You know, who wants to see a 63 year old up on stage parading around the thong bikini. But, um, I still love it and as long as I continue to see improvements in my physique and it's not a chore and it's a joy, I'm going to keep on doing it. And I've made the most wonderful friends along the way and learned a ton of information about diet and training and nutrition and all that stuff. So it's it's just a win-win for me.
0: That yeah, that's a great story and certainly um it's representative of your motto that age is irrelevant, right? You're you're doing this because it, you love doing it. Um you have no plans of of stopping and you're still sh- you're you're progressing in this. I'd like to back up a little bit because you said a couple of things there in that story. I just want to unpack a little bit. You mentioned that you're a wine specialist. Um mm-hmm. when when did when did you become a wine specialist and how does one become a wine specialist? So,
1: um, I was not really a big drinker at all. I mean, I was in high school, like perfect. Didn't I mean I was just like this very, very well-known athlete and I just, you know, really valued my um, reputation, I guess I could say. And I didn't want to let my coaches down. So I was pretty straight and narrow. And then when I went to college, I joined a sorority and then I joined, uh, we would go to these, you know, parties and I'm like, okay, well, just give me a beer and I'll just hold on to it, you know, and I would take a sip here and a sip there. Well, you know, after a year or two of taking a sip here and a sip there, then I just started, you know, liking and enjoying beer. (laughs) So I was a beer drinker up until probably my, um, late forties, early forties, probably. Yeah, probably early to mid forties. And then all of a sudden. I was like, hmm, you know, wine's out there. And I I think a lot of times, now that I'm into the whole wine scene, people will start off with wine and they can't acquire the taste of these dry wines right off the bat. So they start sweet and they kind of progress and work their way up. And that's what I kind of did. Um, And I would still continuously try some breads, but I just didn't like it. And so I ended up uh, opening up a little um, one-man show catering business. And so I love to cook. And so I actually... I'm a flight attendant, so I'm able to fly for free. So I started flying out to California to take all these cooking classes out there in Napa Valley. And in between classes, I thought, you know, I should just go to some of these wineries and just kind of check things out. And all of a sudden, I walked into this one winery, and I tried a red, and I go, I love this. And then that kind of put me on the red trail. And then so I started looking for wines that were similar to that. And then I just started acquiring a taste for wine. And then I just became more knowledgeable and started doing all this research. And then I decided to get my um, certification. And so I got my level one certification through a, a, an organization called the WSET, the Wine and Spirits Educational Trust. And then I got my second level certification. And then after that, I actually took a leave of absence from work, flying, and I um, worked. I moved out to Oregon and I worked at a winery for two years as a wine intern, and literally learned. Every aspect of of winemaking. It was the most physically grueling manual labor I've ever done in my whole life, but extremely rewarding. And I lived such a simple life out there. Um, the people were phenomenal. The weather was spectacular. Uh, the scenery was just amazing. And so that's my whole wine thing. And I still you love wine to this day. And of course. I'm very regimented now. So, you know, during this prep, I may have a glass of wine here and there, maybe. But um, when I'm probably like a month out, all of a sudden that just all that that all stops. But yeah, wine is very near and dear to my heart. And that's something that quarantine or anything else is that that's never going to stop. So.
0: Yeah, that's great. I didn't realize there were level one, level twos, just similar to like nutrition certifications or personal personal mm-hmm. fitness uh, or trainer certifications.
1: Yeah, there's actually two more levels. Um, there's no way that I'll be able to become a sommelier because uh, I have allergies, and so you know, if you're a Somalia, you really have to have the nose of a bloodhound, and I just I just don't have that, so I'm not even going to uh, try to <laughs> go down that go down that alley. But yeah, it's it, it's awesome.
0: Well, That's great. And it's something you're still obviously passionate about today. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously a lifelong hobby. You had mentioned going back in your biography here a little bit, you mentioned that after college, you kind of got into the aerobics thing, right? Uh, And you were doing that primarily, it sounds like just to to be healthy and to be able to eat and and maybe drink what you wanted. Were you, is that when you became an instructor during that time or were you just taking these classes? When did you become a certified um, personal trainer?
1: I was actually just uh, taking classes. I I wasn't, um, I was in my, you know, late mid twenties, I think when all that started and then I ended up getting married and then I ended up getting divorced. And I tell you what, working out saved me, literally just saved me. If it wasn't for working out, I'm not even really sure I would be here today because it was a very, very um, painful, painful divorce. So it actually, you know, gave me incentive to go to the gym because I knew once I finished with my workouts, I just felt so much better. And I was there with, you know, a group of friends and stuff like that. So the camaraderie um, really helped me and it totally helped my mindset. I think there's so many of us out there, men and women, who are crippled by what goes in on in their mind. You know, we can be our biggest cheerleader. We can be our worst own worst enemy. We can talk ourselves into or out of things. We can li- label ourselves as victims and martyrs. You know, you do have a choice. You can be a victim or a martyr, or you can be a, a, a warrior or a champion. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, how I, I live. And I, I don't choose to be a victim or a martyr, regardless of what is thrown my way. And if I wouldn't have gone through all that back then, I wouldn't be where I am today. It, it was the whole divorce thing was, was crippling. I became very codependent and I, I just lost my identity. It was awful. Um, but, um, you know, working out helped me and I actually packed up and moved away. From uh, Kentucky to North Carolina, and you know, started over on a new job, new new career, everything, and it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And if someone said, "If you could go back and change anything, would you?" And I'm like, "No, I wouldn't be where I am today with, with all those things that happened." But my personal training um, actually started. I got certified in the. Um, Early '90s, and so um, I did that gig on the side also, which I loved. But then it just became too cumbersome for me because you have to continuously every year keep up with your education, and nothing was local. So I'm was, I was I'm having to fly, you know, thousands of miles and spend money in hotels and courses and this and that, whatever. So I ended up just uh, letting that lapse. Which, of course, I'm you know <laughs> kind of angry at myself today that I did that, but it, it is what it is. <laughs>
0: And then the bodybuilding comes around. You said you did your first show when you were when you were fifty six, mm-hmm. and I, I guess the story goes you were at uh, you showed up a little early for a training session, mm-hmm. and there was a posing coach there. Why don't why don't you talk to folks who might not be familiar with bodybuilding, wh- what a posing coach is, and what goes what goes into preparing for a show? I, I know you've you've briefly mentioned um, strict diet, and uh, but why don't you talk to us about that? that runway leading up to a show, those couple of months, what does it take to get prepared to have your body to be in that kind of shape? And then what, what actually do you do? What is posing? What, what might that look like?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, normally for most people, it takes four, like 12 to 16 weeks to prep for a show. And, you know, we all have different body types. We all have different metabolisms and we all have different goals and so that has to be taken into account. So, you know, the best thing, what I suggest, and what I did. Um, At first, that first month when I started prepping for the show, I was just relying on my girlfriend and a couple of other friends to help me. So I I was I really felt like I was a a rat in a maze. I was just going down one road and then there was a dead end and I'd have to go back and like because I'd be like, can I eat this? No. Can I do this? No. So there was all this back and forth stuff. I didn't know what I was doing. After my first show, I hired a sports nutritionist and she really reeled me in and got me, you know, totally on track with my diet, which was awesome. <clears throat> and then I did a show and I came in um, third in that show. But then I realized I needed a coach. I needed a strength coach and like a strength and conditioning coach and a nutritional, you know, coach all in one. So I hired somebody else to, ha- to help me with that. And he did help me with my diet and with my training. And then. You know, normally when you have a coach like that, you have to check in every week. So you'll he'll give you workouts. He or she will give you workouts. You'll do these workouts during the week. They'll prescribe you a specific diet. You follow the diet depending on your body type and what you're trying to achieve. And then after that week or two, you know you're going to go in and you're going to get looked at in your um, bathing suit normally. And then they're going to They may measure you, they'll weigh you, and, you know, they start comparing data, you know, just like before and afters. And if something's working, you just continue down that path. And if something stalls or it's not working, then you kind of reevaluate. And so basically, that's how you prep for a show. Now, it all leads up to this big presentation. So you've been training for these shows for like 12 weeks, and then all of a sudden, you're on stage and you're in front of the judges for 60 seconds, pretty much. I mean, if not, a little, bit, maybe a little bit more, but it's really, really can be very, very stressful <laughs> you, it, because you've done all this training and it's all about the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. Basically, it's like the entire package. I mean, not only do you have to look good as far as your body composition, but you have to show good uh, stage presentation. So you know, the color of your suit, does it match the color of your hair, the jewelry that you have on, you know, are you tanned properly, um, the shoes that you're wearing. So they all take into consideration all that. But then it's how you enter onto the stage and how you present yourself to the judges. And that's what the posing um, c- comes in. And there's it's, it's, it's a posing routine. So for me being in my fifties for my first show, you know, they had these five inch, you know, clear shoes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, I'm not used to wearing five inch, you know, shoes. So <clears throat> that's probably the hardest thing for most gals when they, you know, start posing is that you're supposed to sashay on stage with these five inch heels and, and twirl around. And, you know, but basically what it is is that you end up, you know, with your opposing coach you develop a posing routine and then you'll practice this over and over and what you want to do is present your best features to the judges now because i mean all of us aren't perfect and we all have flaws but there's certain ways that you can stand and twist your body and the ways that you can turn so you can you somewhat hide your flaws or if you have really great shoulders let's say you know there's certain ways that you can really present your shoulders or if you have great abs you know you can do the same so it's just all a matter of timing and coming out on the stage. And you really have to show confidence and you have to show some sass and you're smiling and you want to show to the judges that you're happy to be there and, because you want them to be engaged. They want you to show them how much you want to be there and that how you should be in that top five call out, you know, that, you know, this is why I'm here. I've, I've trained all this time, you know, pick me because I'm, I'm the best gal here. So it's all a matter of, you know, and I don't want to use the word arrogance, but you have to be a little bit that way just because you want to get on the stage and you're marching out there and you're smiling and then you're presenting your, you know, normally with the, with amateurs, it's probably a a 20 second routine with the pros for us. You can be out there for as long as you like. So, but normally most girls are out there maybe for a minute at the most. But normally you'll come out there as an amateur and um, by yourself to do your posing routine, and then they'll call everybody back up for comparisons. So you're all standing in a row, and then they're going to be able to compare you side to side and who looks better. So it's a, it's an interesting process. But uh, and all all the judges are looking for different things. I mean, and depending on the parts, different parts of the country too. You know, some people like a softer look, some people like a harder look. So you're not, so now that we've all gotten to know who the judges are, we kind of know when I'm doing a show, I'm like, oh, you know, so-and-so is judging. I know what she likes, you know, so we have to really work on this. So, um, but posing is huge. You might have an amazing body, but if your posing routine sucks, I've seen, I've seen girls who have looked the best up on stage and they placed, you know, towards the bottom because their posing routine was so bad.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand what goes into that. Uh, You know, they see the picture and obviously you're in fabulous shape. You're strong. Um, and you, you know, when you're posing and you're flexed out uh, looking great, but I, I think that people, you know, they might think to themselves, yeah, that you have to have some confidence, obviously to be on stage and in heels in a, in a bikini and in, in front of people. But certainly uh, I've seen people working with their posing coaches and it, it, it's quite rigorous. I mean, it's not, you know, you think you're just going to go up there, turn around and, and flex your muscles and and you're done. There's a lot more to it, right?
1: Oh, a whole lot more. And after, I'm getting ready to start working with my posing coach. And I have to tell you, after a session of working with your posing coach for an hour, you leave there and you are so sore because you're twisting your body and you're straining your back and you're, you know, popping your butt out and doing c- certain things that you normally don't do on an everyday basis. But, you know, you really have to concentrate on getting, you know, the, the, into the right, you know, position. And then holding that pose and you might be up there you know in your comparisons while the judges are making decisions you could be standing up there for a good 20 seconds in that in in that pose and it really is you have to just kind of you know program your muscles into doing that so but you know just it's just like anything else if you practice 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 then it's easy I mean my first time on stage I was like a deer in the headlights I was like oh my I was you know scared to death now I don't get jittery I don't get nervous you know I'm just like I just want to get this over with you know so just get me up there and get me out there and keep me going you know
0: You mentioned that, I think you said you won your pro card on your 60th birthday. Is that right? Yes. Well, certainly Well, two things. Tell us what it takes to to get a pro card and what that means. And then maybe walk us through that day. That had to be pretty spectacular, I would guess.
1: It was. And so when you start bodybuilding, you start out as an amateur. And there's a lot of uh, local amateur shows all over the country. I mean, I live in Charlotte. There are several here. Um, there are several around in like South Carolina. There's a big show coming up this weekend, I believe, in South Carolina and Columbia. But you have to qualify for nationals, which means that you have to place in the top five. So once you place in the top five in a show, then you're qualified for a national show. And there's there's a handful of national shows that you can um, go to. So once you... Qualify, then you'll hit a national show. So that's what I did, and I did come in. The, I'm not really sure back then. I think I came in third in this one show. It was out in Seattle, so I came in third, and so I, I had so I qualified for, for nationals. So we get there that day and um, just excited. I actually did uh, two two different classes. So I did bikini and I also did figure. And figure is one step above bikini where you're just a little bit more muscular. And I was excited because they had just um, opened up a 60 plus category. And literally the year prior when they opened up this new category, I went to my coaches and I said, there's a 60 plus category for the Masters Nationals um, next year and I'm going to enter it and I'm going to win. And that was my goal the entire year. You know, people talk about vision boards and talk about visualization. I, I looked at that. I had all these things on my back door uh, going into my garage and uh, every single day, two or three times a day, I would see this and I would have pictures of trophies and winner and this and that. And so, I mean, it, it really, really, I mean, to help visualize. And so you know, that morning you get up, you have to, you're normally getting up between three and four in the morning because the shows are so big. The show had over a thousand athletes. So you have to get your makeup done and you have to get, you know, your, your spray tan spruced up. So you're up super early and, you know, you can get a little jittery. Of course you do. Um, just waiting. Um, but you know, I just, went out there and just, uh, you know, did my best and came back. And then I ended up, you know, placing third in bikini. And then I placed first in the uh, figure. So I, it, it was a double for me, a double win for me. <laughs> so needless to say, uh, lots of wine and chocolate cake were uh, consumed.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, you had earned it by when, then, right? I yeah, imagine so, you were abstaining for quite some time before that. So yeah. yeah. So
1: yeah it was it was I mean probably the best birthday gift I've ever had. It was
0: awesome it's, yeah, it sounds like it so you you have to place first second or third in a national show to get a pro card. is that how that oh, works? you have to win you have to win okay you have to win yeah. yeah wow, okay so on your sixtieth birthday uh you you win uh, your division and you've got your pro card you've been a pro pro bodybuilder ever since then. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit. So it sounds like, you know, they had these categories, bikini and figure. And in this particular national show, they had a a 60 and over. But I know you've competed. You mentioned um, earlier that you were in a division with women 35 and older. Mm -hmm. Are there standard age divisions or is it different show to show?
1: um it is different show to show um they have what's called an open division so any age can enter that and so normally you'll see gals in their 20s and 30s entering that show masters starts at 35 and then they normally go 35 40 45 50 55 60 and it just depends on the show and it depends on the promoter and what he you know wants to you know promote for that show so once I did that 35 plus show, I just realized, OK, you know, I'm glad I came in third, but I can't be competing against 20, you know, girls 20 years younger than me because I may look good, but I'm I'm never going to look as good as them. So I mainly focused on doing shows over 40, 45. And now, I mean, I'm only doing shows, shows over 50 because <laughs> there's no sense in me, um, you know, competing with girls, you know, much younger, especially on a pro level, because we're out there. And, you know, a lot of Olympians are at some of these, you know, shows. So it's just, it's, it's awesome to be able to hang out with all these, you know, fabulous women from all over the country who are all pros, but, uh, I'm just very realistic. So I'm just entering shows now that are, that are 50 plus.
0: Okay. And you mentioned you've got a big show coming up here in Pittsburgh and that is, that's a, I take it a national pro show, right?
1: It is. It's a master's, um, national pro show for, um. Yeah, all all different divisions. So I'm going to do the 50 plus bikini. I have a couple of really good friends who you know want me to do it, and I thought, okay, I'll, you know, I'll I'll definitely do it. There's another show in Reno I'm going to do in October, and it's a 55 plus, which is even better. So I uh, definitely going to try to do that show too. So it's fun. I mean, you know, granted this it's it's summertime, and I really wish I could be sitting outside drinking a glass of you know red wine or or a nice rosé or something, but um, I, I don't really, you know, miss that. And, you know, if I decide to have a glass of wine every now and then I probably will. But uh, like I mentioned earlier, once I get t- towards August, it's like all systems go now. I I'm not training all this hard just to blow it, you know? So.
0: So talk to us a little bit about your training and I guess I should interject here. Uh, we're for people listening to this in the future, we're recording this in July of 2020. So we're right in the midst of the, the COVID-19. Mm. Um, So, Talk to us a little bit about what your training looks like, um, how many days a week and, and how many hours you're putting in, what types of work you're doing, and how has uh, the, the COVID-19 affected that since here in North Carolina, it's pretty limited access to gyms. Um, so yeah, talk, talk to us about that.
1: Well, you're 100% correct. So when I first started training, um, when I went into prep, um, nothing was open in North or South Carolina. So I relied mainly on YouTube and, you know, I, luckily for me last fall, I took a bedroom upstairs and I was just, I turned it into a workout room. I just tore up the carpet, put in hardwoods, bought a treadmill, a bench. I mean, I had several weights, kettlebells, BOSU ball and tons of bands. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled that I have all this stuff because I actually was, you know, getting, I was just working out in my, uh, in my own little gym and, you know, I'm a flight attendant, like I mentioned earlier. And then of course, you know, the airline industry just tanked. So there was all these flight attendants that, you know, the company didn't need. So I guess with the government bailing, you know, us all out, um, they started offering leaves of absence. So I ended up taking leave of absence for April, May and June, um, mainly because I was diagnosed with leukemia five years ago. And my oncologist did not want me working out in that environment. So I ended up just taking those three months off. And that first month, I was, you know, my little routine was get up in the morning and, you know, have my breakfast and then go up to my workout room. And I would just take, I normally try to take a class for like at least an hour, an hour class. And, uh, or if if I didn't take a class, you know, I had tons of workouts. So especially like for shoulders and, and back and stuff like that, it was very, very easy for me to get workouts in. Uh, The gyms in South Carolina did open up and I live pretty much right on the border of South Carolina. So I ended up joining a gym, a gold gym down there. So it's 30 minutes away, but I am driving there (laughs) five days a week and just to get my work out in now just because I am training for the show. So I do need to look a little bit heavier, especially when it comes to legs. So an average day at the gym for me today, I was, I lifted for an hour and 15 minutes, and then I'm getting in right now, uh, 25 minutes of, uh, cardio. And that is, I'm doing that six days a week right now.
0: Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty big, um, workload. And do you program for yourself or do you have a coach that is giving you programs at this point?
1: I do have a coach. I do have a coach. And so I have to check in with him. You know, he makes me stay accountable because pictures don't lie. <laughs> so I have to take pictures every week and send those in. And he, you know, I mean, obviously it's not like in person, but um, it's definitely they can go through things with a fine tooth comb and they can actually see things that I, I'm not even seeing. He'll say, oh, we well, did this, this and this, and "Oh, you should consider this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're ex- exactly right. You know, so, so that's good. He's out, uh, he's out in Phoenix.
0: Okay. So, yeah, it's a, a re- that's pretty common, I think, for remote online coaching, especially when you start getting into elite level folks. Um, so that's, that's quite a bit of volume. Um, I'm guessing a pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good amount of intensity. What do you do for recovery? What are your thoughts around recovery and sleep and, and everything that goes with, with that?
1: um recovery is major and you know and and nutrient timing is really really important too um pre and post workout so i always make sure that i have a really good breakfast in the morning um you know i don't eat cereal anymore uh <laughs> normally my breakfast in the morning is either chicken or turkey with maybe some sweet potato or another complex carb like millet or buckwheat groats because they're gluten-free. I'm I'm gluten-free. And then some type of green vegetable like broccoli or green beans. Um, Actually, this morning I did have egg whites and spinach, and then I had some millet this morning. But, you know, post-workout, trying to get your nutrients in between 30 and 60 minutes prior because just like you, your muscles are hungry also. And if you want your muscles to grow, that you have to, you know, time that time it to feed them, you know, in a specific, you know, time frame. So my post workout was um, actually I had I had turkey this morning. Um, I did have sweet potatoes. Um, I had green beans, and then I had two ounces of, of, of avocado. And that was my post workout meal. So I also do some supplements, um, you know, creatine and um, branched chain amino acids. And uh, glutamine. I'll pop those. I'll take those a- post workout also too. And then sometimes I'll maybe during my workout, if I, if it's a leg day, I'll do like a carb powder, a little bit of you know carbohydrate powder and some water with some um, essential amino acids or uh, some uh, citrine malate or um, beta alanine, which also helps as far as muscle growth. So. It's, uh, it's, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all about, you know, trying to get this done as naturally as possible. And for me being in my sixties now, it is a lot more difficult, you know, to put on muscle. So it's, uh, it's a, definitely, it's been a process, um, but, but it's working and you know, it's this, the whole bodybuilding thing. And even like with weight, with uh, losing weight, you know, you'll see all these people in the gym in January and then in February they're gone. Um you know changing your body it's it's not a mar- it's not a sprint it's a marathon and you have to you know be patient everybody in society today wants to go from a to z but they're missing out on the steps and you know we all, I always laugh saying you know your body's not like Amazon you're not going to get it in 2 days so you really have to just be patient but you will see progress and then i think once you see that initial progress then that kind of excites you and motivates you to continue you know what what you are doing and that's why pictures are so great, too, because I keep track of all my pictures and I can go back from my first day of prep to today and I see I see differences. So you, you normally might not see that looking at yourself in the mirror every day, but it's great to keep, you know, records of what you're eating and and um, your workouts and stuff like that. So it, it's it, it truly does work. It's just a matter of mindset and and determination, you know.
0: Well, it sounds like you have both of those dialed in uh, along with your nutrition. I'm I'm just imagining some listeners who might not be familiar with the bodybuilding world thinking, good grief, did she really just say chicken, millet, sweet potato, <laughs> avocado for for breakfast and for yeah. you know, all this, you know, those supplements and the timing. Um, it's a lot of work, right? That kind of prep. What does your nutrition look like, say, after a show or between shows when you're not necessarily prepping? It's, I, I'm guessing it's a little less strict, but to, how how do you eat in between?
1: Right. So I still actually eat, you know, pretty well. I mean, I'll still eat 80% clean, but then if friends want to go out for drinks or I want to go out to dinner or I, I go on vacation, I'm a big, you know, cruiser, my, my family and I, we love going on cruises together. And, you know, if it's a seven day or a 10 day cruise or something, I mean, I normally can pick out pretty much what I want to eat, but I know that I'll be like drinking every day. Um, but yeah, so it's everything's in moderation, you know? So it's not like you go crazy. I mean, maybe like the the night of the show when we're all finished, you know, all of us will get together and we'll all go out and we'll order some nachos or onion rings or we'll all have, you know, cheeseburgers and stuff like and chocolate cake and stuff like that. But I got to tell you, I mean, once you get into this lifestyle of eating clean and then you eat bad for a day or two, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to get back to my normal diet because you're just like, whoa, you feel terrible. So, um, I do enjoy it and I am a, I'm a chocoholic. I love dark chocolate. So I, you know, a lot of people will talk about like the quarantine 10 and 15 and 20 that they've gained. And I don't really get that because you have to bring the food into the house to, to gain that weight. So for me, I don't bring that food into the house. So that way I'm just not tempted. You know, I see it all at the store. I don't even want to go down the cookie aisle. I don't want to go down the candy aisle. I just don't need it right now you know and if I get a cheat meal you know for me a cheat meal my coach might say I want you to have a cheat meal this week well I'll go get like a bison burger with sweet potato fries and I'll have a glass of you know red wine or something and uh, that will be my you know cheat and then maybe I'll come home and have a one little square or or two of dark chocolate and that's I'm I'm, that, that makes me happy I don't have to eat a whole bag of you know something to whatever but I just don't bring it in the house, but doesn't if it's not here, I can't be tempted because I did a, a I wrote an article and it talked about willpower. And in the morning, it's all great. But as the time progresses and the day progresses, you know at night, our willpower is at its lowest. And that's when you start looking around for stuff to you know munch on. I mean, if it's not in your house, then you're not going to be, you know tempted to do it.
0: That's a fantastic tip. yeah, I, I think that um the the whole not having those quick, easy, Crappy foods uh, readily available. It's, it goes a long way towards keeping you on track and eating healthy. Um, let's go back to the recovery a little bit. What about um, sleep, especially as we age and especially as you're working as intensely as you are? Is sleep important in, in your routine?
1: It's so important. I am a huge proponent of sleep, I sleep and, and hydration. I mean, sleep and water. I try to drink a gallon of water a day. And I normally try to get at least seven to eight hours of sleep in. And with me being a flight attendant, There's t- I fly overseas too. Obviously not right now, um, but I am such a huge proponent on sleep. And so I have to you know get my sleep in the, to deal with these people. <laughs> so I'm a huge proponent of sleep of sleep and I highly recommend it. And for people to only go on three or four hours of sleep or five hours of sleep consecutively. Now, of course we all may have a bad night of sleeping or, you know, something's keeping us up at night, but I normally, I'm a great sleeper. I don't have any issues. I can fall asleep right away at eight o'clock at night or 11 o'clock. Or there's times if I have to work overseas, you know, I'm up all night and then I don't get to my hotel till, you know, six or seven in the morning. That's when I I take my nap and, and and try to you know play catch up here. But uh, sleep sleep is huge, and it's just like anything else. I mean, people will come to me and ask me, well, what's your secret, or how what what do you do to you know stay in shape or look the way that you look? Your skin looks you know smooth, or, or your wrinkles and whatever. It's like classic textbook to me. It's you know it's eat clean, you know, um, exercise, stay out of the sun, you know, hydrate, sleep. It's 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 not. You know, longevity, there's no quick fixes. If you want to live a nice, long you know life, you have to you have to have you know do resistance training, you have to you know keep your heart you know in shape with some good cardio. and that's why I'm such a huge promote proponent of this age is irrelevant because I didn't start till I was fifty six. Now I was in you know good shape prior, but that's another thing too. you know, I was eating these things from the grocery store just looking at the front of the label and you can't look at the front of the label because that front of the label is there to entice you to buy it. You have to look on the back of the label and it literally, if there's more than five or six ingredients on there. Put it back because half that stuff can, you can't even pronounce you don't even know what it is. And then it'll say artificial flavors, artificial coloring. I, I don't want anything artificial, you know, going in, in onside of me. So I'm a huge um, prep. I, I cook in bulk, and I'm always constantly you know cooking. Prior to this um, interview, I just cooked a big batch of chicken, and I have a InstaPot, and I threw in some uh, broccoli and green beans for that. But I have a ton of food in my refrigerator at all times, and all I have to do is just pull it out, throw it on my scale, and then I'm I am good to go. So.
0: Yeah. That's another really good tip. If, um, if you have healthy food already available, in addition to not bringing uh, junk food into the house and highly processed food into the house, if you've got food prepped, that's easy to grab. Um, that's a great tip for keeping folks, um, on track. So I know you're a big proponent of mindset. I've read some of your, some of your stuff on, on mindset. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of mindset? Just, in terms of not so much of, of, you know, bodybuilding and and shows, but just what you were talking about, having that long healthy life of just taking care of the basics, the nutrition, the, the resistance training, Um, where does mindset fit in with all of that?
1: Mindset fits in. It's the, it's your inner core. It's, it's your true values of, of what you think of yourself. and, you know, how you approach life, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you can have this champion, you know, warrior approach, or you can have this victim mindset approach. And all of us deal with hurdles and all of us deal with detours and heartache and pain and tragedy in our life. And it's not, it's not going to, it's going to probably happen more than once. And you're going to get knocked down. And especially right right now, people losing their jobs, people becoming homeless. I mean, there's. I feel very blessed that I still even have a job. Um, but it's all about mindset. It's all about getting back up. And it's all about having that eyes always forward approach. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, you're driving in a car and you the, the windshield is like, you know, your future. Now you do have rear view mirrors on either side and you can kind of glance at those just to kind of, as a reminder of what's back behind you, but don't, don't keep your constant eye on that rear view mirror because the past is the past and you know, the past, definitely helps make you who you are today, but so many people are stuck in the past and they can't get out of, you know, past experiences. They're literally crippled. And then all of a sudden they just start self-sabotaging themselves. And I just think that's, you know, crucial that you really have to have an eyes always forward approach and you really have to surround yourself with like-minded people. So when I first started this bodybuilding, you know, gig, I met the most amazing women and I have I have friends for life now who are just fantastic that even though ones you know in California and Seattle and Memphis and in Florida we all still stay in touch and we all still want to do shows together and we get giddy when we see each other and but then if you're going through I mean like for me you're never always up when you're in training you know we get tired. I'm flying and I'm up at three in the morning, and then I get to my layover at, at 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 two in the afternoon. I know I have to get a workout in. Do I really want to run to the gym? No, <laughs> I don't. And there's been times here where I've literally driven up to the gym and looked at it and put my car in reverse and just driven home. I'm like, I'm just not into it today. But having that you know community or that tribe that can you know enable you to you know keep your eyes always forward, but also hold you accountable. I think a lot of people who have mindset issues are dealing with stuff on their own and they're not able, they're not reaching out to anyone to help them along. Because sometimes you just need that help, you know, to get you going. Um, So that's why I think it's really important to definitely pursue the things that you love and pursue the things that make you happy. And it doesn't really matter how old you are, if you want to try something new. I mean, you know, my biggest thing is like, you know, just jump, just give it a shot. I mean, you know, the the unknown is going to be out there, you know, it is scary, but you can do it. And the universe always has your back. I I just, the universe doesn't want you to fail. It's I've jumped uh, several times in my life, not knowing what was going to happen. And everything worked out, you know, perfectly. I mean, back then, when you're in the middle of stuff, you'd have you have to kind of wonder, but you know, it's all it's all just part of the plan. So, you know, as long as you can, take things on a daily basis versus, you know, the big term right now is called future tripping, that you're like tripping out about things in the future already. I mean, worrying about things in, in the future is not going to help you today. You know, you need to stay in the moment and worry about what's going on today. And then tomorrow, you'll deal with tomorrow. So and that's all part of mindset also, too. So You know, my advice is just, you know, try to stay focused on what makes you happy, because if you're not happy, you're not going to make anyone else happy. So, you know, find your own joy from within and then find that community that will help you maintain that joy. And don't be afraid to, you know, try new things. It doesn't really, I've interviewed women on my podcast, 85 years old, who is a world champion pole vaulter. And, you know, she didn't start training until she was 69 years old.
0: That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's just you know that's why I wanted to bring all these women onto my podcast to prove that, and a lot of these women have gone through incredible transformations. Hundred pounds overweight, you know, smoked and drank, did drugs, and now all of a sudden they're internationally ranked swimmers and and they're in their late seventies and they're you know winning gold medals at the senior games. You know, so it's just, and it's all because somebody believed in them and they turned to these mentors for with for help and then. You know, once you start seeing that little, that first little bit of um, success, whether it be losing weight or, you know, mastering some type of activity, that just fires you up and it just keeps you going. So, yeah, my, mindset, mindset is everything. I mean, nobody, we, none of us wake up in a in a great mood every day, and I'll wake up sometimes in a bad mood for no reason, and I'm like, okay, you're in this bad mood, you got to snap out of it. Just come on, get with the program. So
0: yeah that's very that's very well said and, and and i I do I agree with you. mindset is is so critical and i I think it's important also what you said about it's not too late to to start something you know, somebody could look at your story and say, well, yeah, she was active as a child. She was obviously, you know, a a star athlete and has been active her whole entire life. But there are women out there like your 85 year old pole vaulter. Um, I had Dr. Maria Christine on my show. I know you had her on your show as well. She didn't start bodybuilding until 69, I think. And she, it's not like she was in great shape. She was she found that because she had to get into shape, so she started a fitness journey close to seventy, and and now is doing bodybuilding shows. I mean, that's just it's She's amazing, right? Yeah, do. yeah, right. It's not too late to start, right?
1: I'm just so excited for her. Yeah, so I, yeah. I that's why I want to promote. I want to show other women out there that you know it's not too late because I think also too a lot of women. I mean, once they become you know so you you're living your life and you're excited and then all of a sudden and you're excited to see what happens in the future and then you hit 50 And now all of a sudden you're like dreading to see what's going to be happening for the rest of your life. And that's not that's not the case. You know, for me, each decade just keeps getting better. And I keep living my best life. I would never go back to my 20s or my 30s. You know, my 40s, I finally started finding myself. 50s were great, 60s, you know, better. I'm hitting hurdles and, and detours along the way. But just like with my leukemia, it's just a part of who I am. And it's just an added layer. I don't look at it as something you know, um, that's going to take me down. I don't look at it. I'm not a victim or a martyr, you know, when it comes to that. And I really think my lifestyle and my attitude and mindset are helping keep this at bay. And I think that's, what's really important. But I think a lot of women, um, may want to try to, may want to try something, but they don't know, they don't know where to start or who to reach out to. So that's why I want to present all these women saying, Hey, you know, you want to reach out to them. They'll be more than happy to talk to you or help you along, or they've got programs and training and this, and that, whatever. So, um, yeah, I just, there's no excuse. (laughs)
0: Uh, uh, Yeah. Well said. So what would, what would you say to somebody who maybe hears this or finds you on Instagram or or Facebook and doesn't have any bodybuilding experience, but thinks that maybe this might be something they'd like to do, how, how would how would she get started?
1: Well, um, definitely, I mean, if, that, if that's the case, then I would truly recommend, you know, trying to, if and when gyms open up, um, going to a local gym or reaching out to a personal trainer. And, and you can do this, you know, at home or you can do it online. As a matter of fact, I'm just getting ready to uh, finish up a nutrition course to get certified as a a nutritionist. i probably, my my course is going to end, man, let's see what's today, Wednesday. I'd say by the end of this weekend, early next week, I'll have my um, training, all my training under the belt. And I've also taken mindset courses too. And so I'm probably going to start coaching people myself. So you can find people online you can also find people locally. But if you're dealing with someone who's never done this before, you really have to first and foremost, make sure that these people understand that, they are in this to see changes which means that they're going to be stepping outside of the box and doing things that they've never done before and you just want to make sure that they're mentally um, and physically prepared for that because once you start lifting weights and you'll start off you know doing maybe three sets of 10 with light weights but if your body's not used to that you might wake up sore the next day and if you like coming home and you know you're a carb junkie and then we're you know cutting back your carbs you might not like that because, you know, you're, you know, craving all these carbohydrates. So you really have to be, it's just like any other uh, setback or any other type of, I don't want to use the word addiction because that's really kind of harsh. But if you're so used to something until you're physically and mentally and emotionally ready to make changes, then, you know, You're not going to. So if you're truly ready to, you know, get in better shape or try something new or, you know, lift weights, because going into a gym can be extremely intimidating, you know, especially to a woman who doesn't really know what she's doing. Um, I just highly recommend reaching out to somebody to give you a program and to guide you along the way. And then, you know, you're, you're, you're consistently checking in with these people and you're consistently, you know, getting feedback, things that they like, things they don't like, they may have some, you know, illnesses or injuries that you have to take into account. So it's a slow process, but it's a winning process. And no one has ever in my whole life said, oh my gosh, I started this workout program and I, I hate the way I look and I, you know, I, I feel horrible, you know, it's, it's, that's just not the case. It's just, you know, just the total opposite. So.
0: That's also beautifully said. So certainly anybody who's looking to get into that, the first piece of advice is to find a find a trainer, find somebody who is a, a professional and, and can help you with programming nutrition because there's a lot to unpack in there, right? And in this day and age, it's so easy to find folks either locally or, you know, the the entire world is open to you when you go for online resources.
1: Exactly. 100 percent.
0: Let's kind of wrap up here a little bit. Tell folks where can they find you? I know you've got, uh, obviously, the, the podcast you are active on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you've got a website. Tell, tell folks where, where they can find you.
1: Thanks. Yeah. So my website is www.ageisirrelevant.com. All my um, podcasts are actually on my website. And I have a blog that I just actually started. And then I will be, like I mentioned earlier, starting some coaching services too. You can find me on social media, on Facebook at Helen Fritsch. It's H-E-L-E-N-F as in Frank, R-I-T-S-C-H. And I actually have three pages on Facebook. But if you just go to that initial page, it will be directed to my other pages. And then on Instagram, I'm at Helen Fritsch underscore IFBB pro.
0: Great, and I'll drop all that in the show notes as well so people listening can go and and find, find you there. Thank you. Well, you look great. You're obviously a wonderful ambassador for healthy aging, and I certainly wish you all the luck in your future endeavors. And thanks so much again for spending time with us coming on the show today.
1: Thank you, Kevin, for having me. It was a joy.
0: Well, that's our show for today, folks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell your friends and please consider subscribing and giving us a five-star review. All the show notes and much more are available at our website at silver-edge.com. That's silver-edge.com. So until next time, stay strong.